Welcome to Insight and Keeping, a co-production of InPartners and ALP, the Association of Lodging Professionals. On today's episode, Megan sits down with Dr. Julia Truitt-Pointer to discuss her work on the ongoing U.S. Independent Lodging Property Research Study, which seeks to provide current, reliable data to better serve our community of lodging property members, aspiring innkeepers, and allied partners. Here's your host, Megan Smith. I have with me today Dr. Julia Truitt-Pointer from Transylvania University, who produced a study for our opening session yesterday morning that I think everybody was just completely blown away by the results. So why don't you talk about your start with this project and then give us the high points. I'm just going to let you share. Go from there. Okay. Well, first, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. And for all of you listeners, smart move to listen to this. I'm hoping that this information that I provide can help you. And so let's jump into it. I have a roundabout way of why I am sitting in this chair. Many, many years ago, I presented research to Pi back in the late 80s and 90s because actually my dissertation at the University of Georgia was on success factors for the bed and breakfast industry in Georgia. I started a survey then, and it has now been replicated. Fast forward, how many years? I don't want to count. Um, in many states. And so when things came forward, this all started recently because you know how you have these friends that find you later in life? Well, I had two friends that bought a bed and breakfast and contacted me and didn't realize what I was doing. And the next thing I know, I'm speaking to the Kentucky Bed and Breakfast Association, and here I am. So my route went from managing a bed and breakfast, catering company, owning and booking a band. Yes, I've been out on a band. And no, I was not singing. I wanted them to be successful. And because I've taken the route of being a college professor, I love seeing my students have the, the light bulb go off, much like I love to see innkeepers go, oh, I can use that. So hopefully today I can give you some information that you could use. And can you tell us the basis of the study and from what year it's from, et cetera? Rob Fulton for AAHP contacted me directly and said, we'd like to replicate the study parts of it. And we've spent a year now working on it. So it went out last fall. It was to collect information from 2018 financials and 2019 as far as where people were as far as last fall and then also where they think they were going to be going for the next couple of years. Great. And so we ended up having a very good distribution as far as the across the states. Uh, Rob and I kept tabs on who had responded and we ended up with basically let me hit some high points for you. Please. We had respondents. Now, remember, this is just for the respondents for this survey, so we can't say, okay, this is how the entire industry is, but this was a start. Uh, What I found was that we still have a group of people who are very well-educated. 84% of the respondents had a college or vocational degree or higher. Most of them were 55-plus and they had uh, anywhere from around six, uh, 10 years of managerial experience. So we're looking at a group of current respondents who are probably second careers. Mm-hmm. And most of these people are coming out of something else. And they've gotten into this world because they really 
like it and they love to help people and what better things that we can say as far as hospitality. From an operational standpoint, most of the at the average rooms was 9.6. We had a range anywhere from one person who responded had one room and another person had 79. Hmm. And uh, of course you're saying 79, how can that be? Well, you know, if we get down to the core of why we're in this industry, whether we are independent lodging or whether we are traditional lodging, we still want to take care of our guests. Yes. And so whether you have one room or you have 79, we're still all trying to take care of our guests. So most of the room numbers, though, were around like the 9.6 you could imagine that we had most of them between 5 to 14. Fairly typical. We, yes. that's, that's what we have seen as far as before. One thing that popped up that was unusual that we, well, I went, hmm, is that we have properties now that we have 22% on these respondents that have shared baths. Still. Still. Well, actually, it had gone down. When I had done surveys before, that number was much lower. I think this might be a reflection of the fact that uh, the respondents, we had several that classified themselves as guest cottages and cabins. Mm. Um I don't know. That's where the next phase, as far as this research, is we're going to dig into the numbers to see what's going on there. Well, that would make sense for the shared bath for a cottage. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing that happened that went, the eyebrows went up and went up yesterday, if you could have been with the session with us, um, there are 3% of the respondents that are not providing breakfast. And I'm sure that's raised a few eyebrows, but you have to remember we are a national organization and we have different zoning laws for every local state. Yes. Uh, and so there are some that I know that were, are thinking, well, I have to serve breakfast. Well, not every organization has to serve breakfast. So that was a, a little bit of an issue that I went, hmm. A lot more, uh, 37% of the respondents have some sort of wine, beer, or spirits license, meaning they're serving alcohol, uh, and typically more wine and beer. And that included, I asked the question, do you have a pouring license, or can you serve as far as can you pour, et cetera? Prohibition laws, you know, that's another one that changes. And state by state, so yes, dramatically. Yes, state by state. We had 10% that had a restaurant open to the public, and 11% were doing catering for non-guests. Again, uh, you think about this. If you're putting in a kitchen, a lot of you listening are thinking, I had to put in a commercial kitchen, and yeah, that's a huge asset, and you want to make sure you get your money back off of that one. Yeah, somebody commented yesterday, was that you in the session saying that when you had your bed and breakfast, you were yes. catering outside yes. events we, all through the we holidays. We did a lot of events, and to be honest, that was a major revenue generator. Oh, absolutely. Um, we did the catering, and then we had a lot of those people that were local that they said, hey, I've got somebody coming in. I remember one woman said, uh... I have to host my family, and I don't want to cook. So will you cook Thanksgiving dinner for us? And sure enough, Thanksgiving, I was there cooking. As I said, did and she put them all up at your house? Yes, your yes at the B&B. The owner was very happy because Thanksgiving up to that year had not been a real big holiday. So let's jump in as far as some marketing issues because we're in a change that's going on in the industry yes. right now. Still had a lot of these respondents had guests that were staying anywhere from uh, one to three nights. 
and a lot of these were guests who were staying for some type of pleasure or leisure. So when I reported that the top three reasons why they said their guests stayed was because of location or getaway or vacation, that probably doesn't surprise you. That also contributes to, leads to the question as far as how are these guests finding these properties? First-timers, online ratings. I cannot stress to you all how important it is that, number one, your website is friendly to navigate. It represents your beautiful properties. And the third thing that I would stress strongly, having in the process of teaching a lot of millennials, please, please, please make sure your website is mobile-friendly. The experienced guests, they would go to the website, but the ratings were coming in real close behind that. So again, as far as our marketing standpoint, we have changed from when I first started in the industry to where everything, a lot of marketing, most 99% of our marketing, I would say it is done online and that's what you're being represented by and you need to make sure that that's strong. Well, and it's so wonderful because we all have such great photography in this yes. industry. If we don't, we should. And what a better way to showcase your property. I mean, I remember having a when I bought my end, it had a two-color black and white. It wasn't black and white. It was green and beige uh, brochure Ooh, green. that was sketches, you yeah. know. And so, you know, you think about then we started getting the good photography mm-hmm. and the color brochure, but it's just so nice that resources that we have translate well to the web. Yes, and one thing I also would put out that I tell my students, because not only do I, see, I teach hospitality at and business classes at Transylvania University, but I also have a consulting company, hence why I'm here. But it's very, very, uh, I mean, your your uh, iPhones, uh, your Samsungs. Your mobile these, devices. Your mobile devices, I just called out to companies. I'm not stressing one or the other, be like that clear. But the photography now that you can take on those, my husband has a professional camera, and what you're going to be posting on your websites, on your mobile, on your Instagram, these are perfectly acceptable. Uh, so if you need to have something to drop, please do not hesitate to whip out the phone and take a snap and put it on there. Then we have to think about, okay, so I call it the amenities and services race. If I offer this, well, then somebody else down the road offers this. So I threw out this long laundry list of things. Do you offer this? Do you offer this? Do you offer this? And guess what? 100% of the respondents offer a hairdryer. Yay! <laughs> Aren't we so excited? We had uh, non-smoking rooms. It was a huge one. And then the clean daily question. I was thinking about this last night after I had questions. I think uh, that question was put in to ask, like, are you refreshing towels or replacing linens? And I think people read that to say, no, I'm not. We're trying to like much of other lodging properties. We don't do that unless a guest asks. That also raises the issue as far as how much cleaning, et cetera. But after that, it was all over the board as far as what people were offering. My suggestion to you out there is you find something that makes your property unique and you do it well, then do it. And the same thing goes as far as the public rooms. 98% of the people were offering complimentary Wi-Fi. I'm sorry, I'm going to call out those 2%. Unless you are in an area that you cannot receive good cell service, there is no excuse in today's world with not having complimentary Wi-Fi. 
I also will tell you that if you don't have it, you're going to miss out on the market as far as millennials. Oh, absolutely. Because they are not, and let's be honest, I mean, I travel quite a bit with my university and taking a group of students to Chicago to a major hotel there. This was 10 years ago, and I said, I just brought you X thousand dollars worth of business, and you are going to charge me for Wi-Fi? And they said, no, Dr. Pointer, we are not. So uh, at this point, folks, that's where we're at. Um, One did surprise was um, books, games, and magazines. And I know people are like, well, that's easy, whatever. But this also may be an indication, a reflection, going back to this group of people that they said, I've got people who are coming because they want to relax, they want to get away, it's a vacation. We're starting to see more and more people to be unplugged. Mm-hmm. And we need to be very aware of that, um, of people just simply want to eliminate things. Well, and also, my end was in Vermont. I would have Yankee Magazine mm-hmm. and Vermont Life Magazine. So people could use that for their trip, but also... My hope was they would take a subscription card out and take it home and start subscribing and always think of us when that arrived on their doorstep. And that goes back to we found that a lot of the respondents offer advice as far as, hey, go visit this, et cetera. This is a critical point that some lodging owners, managers haven't realized, but you're in the tourism business Mm -hmm. and you need to make sure that you are the face of that city, that state, and you need to represent it well. Being from Lexington, we have a few people that come through for, let's see, horses, basketball, bourbon. And so (laughs) I stress to my students about that. You are the face. So having those magazines, having those things there, I think this is something we've been doing for a long time, and I think it's still a really good thing to have available. What did you find out about human resource issues during the survey? Uh, One of the things that I reported on yesterday was, uh, again, probably not surprising in that we have a lot of owner-managers. But one thing that I did see that popped up that were two things that I think are a beginning trend is we are starting to see more owner-investors that are not living on-premise like that had happened in the past and also having more managers only living on-premise. I think this is a reflection in the change in the industry If you are purchasing a property, it's going to be expensive. And a lot of times that's a different type of person who's purchasing uh, than maybe what was going on 10, 20 years ago. So I think that's probably going to be a continued trend. But again, we still had a lot of owner managers that answered this. So that leads to the next question as far as I kind of alluded to. Let's talk about finances. Oh, fun. Everybody's favorite topic. Uh-huh. Um, and for full disclosure here, this was the section of the survey that a lot of people chose not to answer, and that was their choice. So please, again, if you're out there listening, take this with understanding that we will continue to report on this. One of the things that came up, I asked a question about business structure, and what concerned me is that 21% of the respondents were still using a business structure of a sole proprietorship, which exposes them to a lot of liability issues if a guest is hurt on the property. So that was a concern. On the other end of it, uh, we saw uh, more C corporations. These are traditionally publicly traded large corporations. That was interesting to me. And it's interesting um, because that leaves you a little bit vulnerable 
And now, especially with the B Corp, the Benefit mm -hmm. Corporation, yes. which has come into place, would be a much better place for a in to be if, if someone wants to be incorporated in that way. Yes, if they were wanting to give back as far as one of their tenants, as far as being nonprofit contributions, et cetera. Yes. And I had the option of an other, and there was nothing else that was responding on that. I do some work with the Kentucky School of Entrepreneurs, and that is a major motivator for a lot of these high schoolers taking this three-week course in the state of Kentucky. So I think the B Corp will continue to be an issue as far as our industry as it comes along. A lot of limited liability corporations, and from a consultant perspective, that's a really good place that's to be. That's what you recommend yes, as a consultant. Yes, that's what I definitely recommend. So um, we had owners who were making money. I did not ask them how much because, again, I'm well aware that this is a very private information, and even though I had many, many layers of security. I, I truly understand having worked with small business owners for years. But some are making money, uh, so let's jump into average daily rate. I ask this two ways. I ask one from a range, where does your average daily rate fall? And the average on that fell into the range 36% responded for 2018 that they fell in the range of $150 to $199. Then I also asked them to give me hard numbers. What was their revenue? How many rooms did they have available to sell? And how many rooms did they actually sell? And I calculated their average daily rate. And I found their average daily rate fell in the range of 200 to $249. Interesting. So what happened is people were, instead of overestimating, they actually were underestimating. But that's still pretty much in the same range there. Do you think any of that has to do with taxes and additional fees, local fees that might have been in? Well, the question that asked is, was, what was your revenue for lodging period before? Okay. Because taxes come traditionally out, they're going to come out at the bottom of your income statement. So I was just wanting total revenue, and just from lodging, mm -hmm. uh, not what money you were getting from food and beverage, or if you had that option, or catering, like I mentioned earlier, et cetera. So that's where our range is falling. 2019, that was still the most popular, and that was what they were anticipating was going to happen. And the question I asked for 2019 when I did my calculations was, what do you anticipate your income will be? Because, you know, this survey went out in October through December of 2019, and most people probably had an idea of what their revenue was going to be if they completed the survey in November. They had an idea of what was going to sure. happen in sure. December. So then it leads to the issue as far as occupancy. How many people actually showed up? And for 2018, the respondents of this survey, the average was 40 to 49 percent. There were a grand total of right at 58 percent were anywhere from 30 to 59 percent, okay, for 2018. And then for 2019, that was going to be 65 percent, going to be falling in there. For those of you who are not as familiar with traditional lodging, uh, average uh, for 2018 and 2019 ran somewhere anywhere between 50 to 60 percent as far as occupancy. So as expected, bed and breakfast ends whatever you were classifying yourself, because I did ask that question, cabins, et cetera. The respondents on this were slightly under what the national occupancy was, and again, that's 
anticipated. I use this example in my class with my students. I say, if you have a 10-room property and you have one person who doesn't show up, you've just lost 10% of your revenue for the night from lodging. And yes, you can see the eyebrows go up and the eyes go, wow. That's one of the reasons why I'm sure our, our occupancy for the area is running a little bit lower. Yeah, I mean, that makes perfect sense. And mm-hmm. it also, you know, it's comparing apples to apples. And as a follow-up to that, uh, Pi did a survey on 2011 data, and it was published in 2012, and their occupancy average for that study was 43%. So we're still hanging in there at the same area. And that's good information, especially for aspiring innkeepers. Sure, um, to use when they're building their exactly, plan, their business yes, plan. Exactly. Um, then I also ask a question as far as their revenues. The most common range that they fell in for 2018 was, well, the average was 200 to 290,000. And that also was the average as far as anticipated for 2019. Most of them were in the range of 100 to 300,000. So what's that showing is, again, you have to remember we had properties that had one and 79. And so there's going to be further research being done on this to break out as far as for one to five rooms to six to ten and ten plus. But I also want to put this out with the information that you all are aware of that this was a limited number. By this point, I only had 58 respondents. And so this would be in academic world. This is exploratory data, but it's a start Mm -hmm. and it's something for us to think about as far as going forward. I asked questions concerning whether the property had an operating profit and or a net profit in 2017, 18, and anticipated in 2019. And so for those of you who need a quick reminder, your operating profit is here's all you made as far as your sales, and then you take out your expenses except for interest and taxes. And that's what we call operating profit. And then net profit is after you get everything else and It's either net profit or income before distribution. So bottom line is we had basically in anticipation, 73% of them said they anticipated making a profit for last year. Now, I had someone in the marketplace yesterday say, uh, that's 73%, so that means 27% were not profitable, correct? And I said, yes. Again, this is a business. You must balance your finances with what your strategy as far as what you do with your customers, what you do with your employees, if you have them, what you do with your operations, what you do with your planning. It's not all a numbers game, and it's not all about, oh, it's just the feel-good part of it. If you can't do this, you have to balance the two. So, take those things and process this and give you an idea. So that was a nice segue into, okay, so what's on the future? Mm -hmm. What do we have that we're planning? And this was another eyebrow-raising moment because I had an option, no plans for a 19 and then another category for 2020, another for 21, 23, and 78% of them did not have any plans at the moment. You mean for renovation? For for anything. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And so the concern there becomes, so so the 22% who said, yes, we have plans. Again, 
we need to dig down further as far as where is this going? Is this responding to our small properties? Is this whatever? Or is this just the situation, you know, we've lived for the last year as far as we were supposed to have a recession every week. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's popped up again as I'm sitting here. I uh, just had something drop in my box this morning that's saying, okay, you can't live your life in fear, people. But the ones who said, yes, we're making plans, most of them were going to do upgrading, refurbishing, redecorating, renovating of their guest rooms. And then the next one was this most popular would be as far as doing their common rooms. That's a good thing because there's something else that I know having been a consultant and worked in this industry, the guests that we had showing up in our operation five years ago is not the guest we have today. Looking for something different. They had different demographics. They had different psychographics. In other words, they're different. They're moving into a different age group, and they have different interests. So this is not just your normal maintenance. Okay, these were people who were saying, okay, we are going to redo some things. Very few of them were going to add rooms. They're just trying to make sure they're looking at what's coming up. So a takeaway for this, for those of you listening to this, would be, Think about who you anticipate will be your guest five and ten years from now. One of the beauties of working in the uh, college world is that it keeps you young because I have to stay up to date as far as what's going on with my students. And my students will very much tell me, and they... I'm a very strong believer of this industry, and they know that. But they will also tell you, I want to go somewhere that's stressing the local aspect. In fact, I had a group of students at a tour of a brewery this past week, yes, Dr. P has fun classes, and he said that in the brewery world, it used to be local meant any beer that was produced in 300 miles. Now it's got to within three miles. And so this is what we're going to need to take away from another industry as far as this industry. You need to be stressing your local. What makes your property so unique? And then do the planning for it. One of the other things that came up, and this was not a surprise to me, when I saw how many people were in the age of 55 plus, and many of them were doing second careers, uh, 21% of them said that they are looking to sell within the next, uh, this years of 2019 to 2023. Doesn't surprise me, and it probably doesn't surprise you out there listening. But it's been nice to see a lot of younger couples, new owners here at the conference. There's a lot of younger people here this year. Uh, the One of the recipients this morning said she and her husband were excited to see so many familiar faces, but even more excited to see so many they did not know. Yeah. And again, I think that's a reflection as far as this is not high or uh, AIHP, this is ALP. So now that you have all this good data, where do you see the future of our industry in your magic, what do you call your crystal ball? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) And if I could do that, then I would be sitting here. I would not be teaching. Um, Indications that I am seeing based on what's going on with what I saw from the data, what I see from my consulting, is that competition and changes in format as far as who shows up to an independent lodging property, that's going to continue to change, and that probably is a good thing to change. Again, the industry is changing because that leads to the next one. Our guest is going to change, and therefore our marketing tactics need to change. I did ask a question about how many people provided brochures, and not as many are providing brochures because most of this information now people find 
the properties online and they look at reviews and they, yes, they do talk to their family, their friends, maybe even to former guests if they find them somewhere. But online is where this information is at. The third thing is going to be retirements are going to be coming into play. And so that means we're going to have some properties that are going to be available for purchase or may even be closing um, So if you're out there and you're aspiring, please look around. They always say every inn is for sale. Yes, it is. So (laughs) if you see an inn you like, go ask the owner if it's for sale. (laughs) Exactly. So then that leads to the next question as far as AHP, where do we go from here? And then ALP and et cetera. We're going to continue to dig into this research. There's differences we know between the groups, especially as far as room size. And then the other one I would stress, and this may sound personal, but it's also something that hopefully that if you are listening, you are a member of the organization. I hope you are. If you're not, please check out uh, what's offering. But we're, we're really needing improved survey responses, especially concerning the financial report. And that's because good data is just, it's hard to find right now. And it's not that I need to know what you're making personally or whoever does this. uh, This is how I do surveys. Your information comes in and I give you a number and I literally don't know who you are. You are number XYZ. So please have comfort in knowing that any of that information, it is under secure security and we are making sure that it cannot be stolen, it cannot be used or traceable back to you because it's it's reported as a group. So here we go. On to the future, right, Megan? Yeah, here we go. Next year in Baltimore. Hopefully there'll be new data to, to talk about. And so in the meantime, is this survey going to be available to members? Yes, it will be. Uh, the PowerPoints that I use, which were very broad and not very deep, is going to be available and it will be posted on the website. But we're going to work on a more in-depth report and break it down as far as groups, as far as if you are a smaller property. You know, obviously you have different things that you might be interested in than someone who was having a larger number of rooms. So yes, it will be available again, available on the website. So stay tuned. Great. So the um, website is going to be ALP lodging.org and when the new website is launched which should be by the time this podcast is available you should be able to find it there if you're a member well thank you so much i really enjoyed your session and but then hearing it again i picked up a lot more by just listening to you speak of it so thanks so much for joining me in the podcast and i look forward to seeing you next year you're entirely welcome and i'll see you in baltimore thank you You've been listening to Inside In Keeping, a co-production of In Partners and ALP, the Association of Lodging Professionals. For more information, go to alplodging.org and plan to join us at the ALP Conference and Marketplace in Baltimore on January 9th through the 13th. Our music was produced and performed by Jacob Ungerleiter, and our episode was engineered by the team at In Partners. See you next week.